and the shadow and the judge. That's a whole story in itself. And it was um, just going there because I used to say I wanted to be a judge. Like we, like I had to come up with different stuff. I knew I probably wasn't gonna go to law school and do all of that. But you, so but you I, I had different gonna stuff. Op. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to grow up opping. <laughs> <laughs> but that was something that I liked, and it seemed like some, you know. But after I went in there, I followed them all day. We was behind the scenes, go out together. I go sit sit back there and watch him do what he do. Yep. And that dude sent it somebody to forty five to life when I'm sitting right there. <laughs> The dude get to arguing. They had to escort him out the courtroom and do all of that. And like right then, I knew I'm, 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 I better get serious about this basketball. <laughs> like, I gotta get I you serious. Here's somebody yeah. 45 life. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball but life, and that means something. 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 It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't. Concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. Out of the game. Welcome to the 12th episode of season 2.4. Uh, moving quick. You know what they say. What they say. They say time flies when you're having fun, big guy. Oh, this is true. It's about to fly in a minute because... The constituents are back. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we got a great guest on the second half of our episode, my young and thoughtful teammate. Uh, y'all going to love him, Moses Moody. But before we get into the episode, I just want to remind y'all to follow at Point Forward on YouTube, TikTok, IG, and all the social platforms. Also, check out our new newsletter on Substack at pointforward.substack.com. Yes, sir. Make sure you tap in with the newsletter. And thank you to everyone who's been riding with us to this point. Let's get into it. Point forward. On last week's episode, the first of 23, we talked about New Year's resolutions and we had a great conversation with Ty Jerome. <laughs> yeah. And it's got us thinking. I guess it's important to know that nobody knows everything and there's tons of uh, different perspectives and uh, viewpoints that we can speak to, that we can't speak to. Oh, for sure. And if you want to be more intelligent, it's important to ask questions instead of assuming you know everything. Uh, with that, we started to think about what it's like to be the only one. It's unfortunate that a lot of situations that we find ourselves in off the court, be that at the golf course, some business meeting, or even just having dinner, we're the only ones that look like we do. Like Jay-Z said, because he has a bar for everything, <laughs> only, only spot a few blacks the higher I go. Yes, sir. Um, so we looked and realized that there was an opportunity to have a conversation about being the only one from a different context. Um, we're, we're trying to see things through a different lens. Off top, it got me thinking. I'm looking at my teammates, uh, a, a whole plethora of them, to, to be honest. Uh, and we've had an interesting opportunity here where we might have access to a minority that's hiding right in front of us. <laughs> it might sound crazy to think about it this way, but white dudes in the NBA are a minority. Specifically, white Americans. <laughs> and many teams have one or none, except for uh, the Celtics teams last year when they went pale with like seven players. But, and a whole bunch of them. Yeah, that's, and actually on your Warriors team this year, they have uh, Dante and I guess Ty Jerome kind of sort of. Uh, yeah, our team is interesting too. You know, um, I'm adding them up by percentages. Um, so Dante's like 70, Dante's like 80% um, being his... Um, his cultural existence 
slides them back uh, in, in our in our arena. Yeah. But by DNA, he's 100%. Uh, Ty Jerome is 50-50. Um, Clay is 50. Clay is 50-50. I thought Ty Jerome was... Ty Jerome's dad is mixed, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. So Ty is 75%. 25. Yeah, yeah, he's 75-25. Clay yeah. 50-50. Um, Steph's like 80%. I think his great-grandma, maybe. So Steph's like 90%. No, Steph's, Steph is too great. Yeah, what is Miss Sonya? I think Miss Sonya like 75-25. I don't know yeah. exactly. Right. Um, oh, uh, PBJ, Master P. Make him say, uh. Um, Patrick Baldwin is 50-50. He 50-50. Yeah, for sure. Is. Yeah, he 50-50. And it was somebody else on the court I was hooping with. I know that was it. I had PBJ, I had Dante, and I had Ty Jerome. Uh, why did I think his name was Tyrone this whole time? It's sad. But uh, I'm glad we had that conversation. I got to know his name wasn't uh, as black as I thought it was. But the middle <laughs> name is weird. Ty Jeremy Jerome. Yeah, yeah. Because Jeremy yeah. Is, is a black and white name. It depends on how it's spelled. Yeah. I saw it. It looked like Jerome, but it was Jeremy. That threw me off. That threw um, me off too. I'm like, well, yeah. what's what's Tom? But yeah, what else? But it was a great conversation, and I think we're gonna explore that more to come. And uh, that's why we came up with the moniker Cream. Uh, you know, you are gonna brighten up that coffee a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. That is the NBA. So I'm really looking forward to tapping into that. You know, we we have a lot of conversations you and I in terms of, you know, what it's like. You know, being an owner of African-Americans and some of the, the rooms we touch and, you know, I just I think it would be cool to have that conversation with them. No one's really tapped into it. We have a little bit, but, you know, want to see how uh, from a wider viewpoint and, and, and different perspectives from those guys, those guys. So yeah. we'll be tapping into that uh, going forward. Point forward. Where Vince Staple was speaking on, you know, he doesn't like getting gifts. Essentially, you know, shout out to Vince. We were on Abba Elementary together. Uh, essentially, what he's saying is gift giving selfish. And the guy interviewing him was saying, I don't understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And essentially, Vince was saying, listen, man, gift giving is your, your way of making yourself look good yeah. to someone else because you want to be seen in a certain light. And the way he broke it down was incredible. And the Evan I know I would feel like has something uh either either you're down for that. We're not in that, we're not there yeah. down for that, clown for that, but I, what's your take on that? I just personally I stopped giving gifts. Like I got sick of giving gifts and like buying something and being like, yo, I know this person's really gonna like it, and then they need something real. So like I'd be like, bro, like what do you need? And like I'll help over time. But like Christmas, like your birthday and all that shit, it's like, no, nah, I'm done buying you like a chain or a watch or whatever it is when you really needed this to put you further in life. So I don't know if it's paying off student loans. I don't know if it was like getting your car fixed. I don't know if it was a trip you wanted. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So like yeah. that's the only gifts I I really give now because I I, I just feel like when you're in a position that you're in, like to, to monitor stuff. It's like after every Christmas and the New Year's start, think about it. Christmas, people got to buy gifts. The first of the month comes all in that same week. The average person probably fucked up for real. <laughs> yeah. True. And they bogus for doing it. It's a height. But but then when you break it down, like I'll always come back from that Christmas getting hit up 
a few times in the new year and it's just like, all right, bro, what do y'all need? And I'll do yeah. one big thing. Or now I'm at the point where like with my fam, love my fam to death and stuff. But it's like, all right, if I have something to do as a whole, all right, this is a we thing. So like y'all give some went into this and chipped into this uh, too. Like, do you like understand it. what I'm saying? And we'll all experience yes. it. But like, that's looking back, coming back like a $10, like, you know, and not like in a, in a negative sense, but like, it's just the truth. That's the only way I feel about gift giving. I have my take on gift giving. Tell and me. I've been known to be called, like, I'm the new Scrooge of everything. Birthdays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, all holidays. I just gotten away from that. And we spoke about that before, you know, yeah. uh, suicide rates and depression spike during the holiday season, you know, with inflation. You know, I think they said uh, over the past holiday season, it was actually cheaper to go out and eat at a restaurant than buy a meal and cook it because of the inflation and um, the, price, the food prices went up. Yeah. Cardi B, Cardi B went viral. You know, uh, shout out to Cardi B, checking her finances like she should weekly. And she was saying, you know, noticing that the uh, grocery bill went up and was couldn't figure out why. She said the same amount of people, we buying the same amount of food. Um, and so with saying that, if someone gives me a gift, it depends on what it is. And so I, I'm agreeing all the way around with Vince Staples. I don't, I'm not a gift giver at all. Mm-hmm. I'm an I'm a anonymous giver. Like I'll give with no name. I don't want my yeah. name attached to it. I don't want anybody to know. Uh, and you know, the community we come from, everybody's always expecting you to give back in some form or fashion. And they want you to be, make a big deal out of, I gave back. So you can kind of, yeah. Our gift giving is a way to get people to shut up more so than us looking good. And that's across the board. And I will leave it there. I won't go. I don't want to get in trouble uh, in any places that I uh, reside or frequent, which is home. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm just I'm joking, but I'm not like most gift giving is man. Just leave me alone for a second. And that's mainly like family. So I'm not saying, I shouldn't say my home. I just I should say like family. Mm-hmm. And I think I get that too when someone gets me a gift. So don't give me no gift that I do not need. I feel like you just getting me a gift just so I can get you a gift. Because you know yeah. my gift going to be a lot better than yours. Yeah. I, I feel like, no, I feel like, the only thing that bothers me if I say I don't want a gift. Yeah, like, don't give me a gift. And no, they don't still get, get you a gift. Or like for birthdays. No, like my gift is like a piece. Like just, just leave me alone. Like right. Let me, just let me chill. Yeah, I like that. And that's what bothers me about gifts or even people doing stuff for you. Like you equate it to your birthday. People make, it's not about what you want to do for your birthday. It's about what they want to do for you. So I relate to that more because I, I know myself like getting up and being like, come on, bro. I just told you 10 times I don't want to do shit, but sit here in silence and maybe <laughs> not have to respond on text message so right. frequently. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, get right. sleep, and it won't come up as I'm out and about. Like, that's what I want. Like, a day off from the shenanigans. So and, 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 and that's part- never an option. And that's never <laughs> that's never an option. That's and you like, can't bro, say that, right? Like what? Like You can't say that to them. Like, listen, don't nobody bother me for my birthday. Don't text me. Don't, don't give me a gift. Don't come by. Uh, wish me well in your thoughts. I Keep it to that. yourself. <laughs> no, I mean, I fake said. But you said, can't say that. <laughs> I fake said that this year. You fake said it. What does that mean? Just mean like, bro, like, niggas, like, what are we doing? Nothing, bro. We're not doing absolutely nothing. I'm going to chill by myself. I will see you niggas tomorrow. Like, the last three, and <laughs> it's not nothing, but like, the last three or four, it's just like, no, I just want to rock out and sit still. Like, that's peace to me. You give me a uh-huh. gift on what you want me to do is wild. Yeah. Don't bother me. I'm tired of checking my phone. I came back and played last week. 
and I had 200 messages and I can't keep up. And, and then you get those texts like, are you ignoring me? Are you ghosting me? I'm like, I'm a ghost a man. Like, I didn't know I could ghost a man. I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> so, yeah, get your priorities in order. To be honest with you, and this ain't no flex, like, you date me that late. That's why I don't like Christmas, birthdays, whatever. It is tricking if you got it. Let me say that before I say anything else. But I feel like every day should be Valentine's or some type of lit day, my neck. Like, so when you bothered me about Valentine's and I took you to the five-star restaurant two times a week and we postman and towel. Wow. Don't have me take you to Benny Hine, Hine. <laughs> <laughs> and start brushing shoulders with some, some, some Paco jackets. And so... Yes, no Valentine's Day. Like we've been all across the world. Valentine's Day is every day. All right. Don't 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 try to be upset on on February fourteenth, thirteenth, whatever day it is, just because the world said you were supposed to get something. You've been getting it every day. I challenge. You want to know what I challenge folks to do? What is <laughs> like, that? <laughs> you can't do it. I don't know how you can do it, but I will think it'd be lit to be like. All right, significant other, if you want to take me somewhere nice, I always say, like, I wish I could do this for you. Run it up at 50K, one Christmas or one birthday. And then, like, credit card, would you work your way out of it or, like, whatever else? (laughs) (laughs) So if it takes 25 years, go ahead. ahead. Is that wild? Hold on. So you want your significant other to, to run it up for you. But on her own accord. On her own accord. But how? Yes. So you are you loaning her the 50 grand? No, she got to go to the bank, got to take out money. Like, bro, I think after you took somebody around the world a bajillion times, like, huh? I, I, a bajillion times, I'm not saying like go into debt for me, but fuck around and go into debt for me. It's a light 50 piece. You're going to get it back on the back end, kind of. What if she uh, uses something you bought her? For collateral for the loan. <laughs> Cause it's a few, it's like two or three things that add up to that out of no, the hundred things that you got. You know what I'm saying? No, you're absolutely right. Now, now see, I'm just I don't have all the logistics on how we gonna get there. Okay. But but what I'm saying is like, nah, one day, 50 piece me. Like, oh, like do me like that. Now that would that now that is the gift giving. That I like. That is yeah. the opposite of what Vince Staples is speaking on. So yeah. I like it. Point forward. Oh, what up, big dog? Another another interesting thing. It, it led us right to where I'm at, and it's really how um, optics and perception, and depending on the the figurehead behind the news, and. We we weren't going to talk about it, but I feel like we have to. Tell me. Um, it was a lot of chatter on Twitter one day about uh, first take and how they gave the news on Dana White and the situation with his wife yeah. in the club, right? And I think most people know what happened. He had an altercation yeah. with his wife. It was on video. You can go check it out on your own. We don't condone any of that. But just the energy from the news on what he did was very soft in comparison to, um, I don't even know what you call it. Is it freedom of speech? I can't even say that because I'm gonna get canceled for saying, you know. So you're talking about just I, like usually, I mean, like you bring up like Ray Rice or you bring up these other dudes that like. I'm not even talking about them. I'm talking about, you know, every time, like I know for sure Kyrie isn't 
whatever they tried to say he was. And I think we are at that point where he's not. All right. And people say some wild things, but when, when those things occurred, the energy behind it, you know, Stephen A went off on Kyrie. He's always going off on Kyrie. Yeah. Always. It's it's amazing. But, but, but the narrative behind the actual the actions of someone who's physically assaulting someone, um, it was uh, you know he's a the head of the UFC. He's this. He's that. He knows better. He knows what he did was wrong, yeah. and uh, I'm sure he's gonna you know take accountability for what happened, so on and so forth. And it was that was it. That was it. And, and what I thought was so crazy is Dana White. He always goes on his preaching spree about like respect the women, not hitting women, all this. Even he'll kick people out if there's a domestic situation whatsoever. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. And uh, literally in that sense, it was just like a my bad, I'm sorry, y'all. It's a home problem. And, and that's it. My bad. I mean, but that's really, I mean, his pay per views kept going on. Yeah. Perfectly fine. There's no. I mean, so, it was, so it's what part is it? of seventy-two hour thing. I feel like it's been it's over now. Yeah, it's over. So, so what is it? Why, why was it so light uh, in terms of uh, the public sentiment or reaction to it all? Like, why because was it there's, turned because down? There's, because they're scared of us, right? And then in the day, I feel like everything looks ten times worse, and I feel like the public narrative. I'll say this from like when I dated. You know, I've dated outside my race numerous times. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I see the comparisons sometimes of just, like, from bystanders or even family or friends or even people that I've dated, where it'll be, like, my actions to be viewed as so severe or, like, my thought process or being, like, I could be spoken on. It cannot be with any type of ignorance, but it could be with a negative undertone. Right. And it's just, like, no matter what, this is how he has to be or this is what he's doing. And then, like... I equate it. Like, the athletes get a bad reputation, but the doctors ain't shit neither. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that like makes sense. One, and one can be viewed one way in a full mm-hmm. negative sense, and everybody will go that way. And like I said, the, the other senses, those are the people that are most honored, the people that are doing a decent, solid gig or whatever else yeah. nonsense is going on. So, like, when yeah. their mistakes get made, I feel like narr- by the narrative, it's lesser. We already been programmed yeah. that it's lesser. Yeah. And they can say it with their own face and own like own fault and in a real voice like, yeah. no, I didn't mean anything. And it's like, all right. Usually nobody means to make a mistake yeah. and ruin themselves, but you still get penalized in this part of America. You know what I mean? Right. America. What's the uh, Spencer line? Follow yeah. the money. Yeah, follow the money. And follow the money. Yeah. And ESPN and UFC has made is making ESPN what they have a contract with them, right? Big contract. Point forward uh switching it up to basketball i found this et um you know our sports topic uh is close to us Uh, we've been having a lot of conversations about where the game's going and we've been really nervous and uh we've been trying to you know we don't want to be those old figureheads that are sour on the game of basketball we see that happen a lot uh at first it first came up i saw isaiah your guy zeke uh big isaiah thomas i saw him speak on it and he tweeted you know i see a lot of guys I see a lot of people talking about these big performances offensively and saying we've never seen uh, offensive displays like this before in the game. So like these players are so much better offensively than ever before. And his question was, is our offense getting better or is our defense getting worse? Yeah. 
And I thought yeah. that was a really good question, which led to me seeing Popovich and he was sarcastically suggesting that we have a four or five point shot to make the game a real circus. He says, no more defense. You know, you can't guard anybody. Uh, you know, you're seeing scores like no other today, you know. There's no real set. defenders in there. It's like one per region either, like two. Correct. Like Pat Bev's still around. Like, you know a defender. It's like he de he defends, and that's it. Everybody that's else it. shoots. Yeah. Exactly. And what is it doing to our game? So uh, I think it's just an interesting, interesting that Pop said it. You know, uh, you talk about narratives. I think if another person, you know, not of Pop's pedigree was to say this, they would be clown. But with Pop saying that, we know he's being sarcastic, but at the same time, we're taking it serious. Like, okay, everyone listening. You know, whereas someone else might say this, they might be looked at as a hater. When when Pop says it, you know, we kind of take it serious. Like, it's something wrong with the game. But mm -hmm. I, I agree with him 100%. You no, know, it's, getting, it's, it's, getting, it's getting kind of crazy. Um, I so, mean, every, everybody's putting up 50, 40. It's literally every night. Like, one game is like a 150-point game. Like, so right. you break that down by four quarters, like, Back when we first came into the league, you say 25 points per quarter. You don't yes. give up no more than that. Yes. So now dudes are getting 140 points. Right. They're getting 35 a quarter. Like teams are getting 90 <laughs> in like the first half. And yeah. like that, like to give up 90, so like 90 points in 24 minutes is mad, like terrible. Right. Right. But I, and, but I, but I feel like the whole narrative is just keep shooting more threes, keep shooting more threes, keep shooting more threes. And I feel like the trend has been like, to make excuses and accept the lack of defense or the right. lack of defenders or be like, well, he can shoot 40%. It's like he can't guard his soul. Like, right. back when competition mattered, I guess in a certain element, like, like I said, tw 15 years ago, you might only have space for one or two shooters on the court and if they weren't physical. You'd be like, bro, he's a liability. They're going to go at him court. every time. Got to get yeah. off the court. And it's funny too, the three-point shots being pushed on us so much that, like you, we spoke about this. You were working me out, and I couldn't figure out how to get to a one-two pull-up because yeah. it's just so frowned upon. But my first game, I had a few times where I'm, I'm thinking, why did I just shoot that? Because I was inside the arc. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah, so yeah. you start to get away from your instincts. And you know, I'm always, I've always said this: don't let business outweigh uh, the actual game. You know, yeah. there is a scale. You know, we we are out here for a business, but uh, the business isn't possible without the actual skill set. Uh, within yeah. the game and the artistry yeah. of the game and the gamesmanship and the competition, like, and they're both sides to the game. You can't just try to give up one thing to get more money. Like, it, the game is the game. Yeah. And when you start getting away from actual instincts, and someone might say, well, you're, you, you know, it's time for you to move on, the game doesn't look the same. Um, and I know that just from watching it too. So, yeah. hopefully, I, I, we, we get back to where we're supposed to be. But go ahead. I don't know. Did you hear what Lucas said? Lucas said he doesn't even watch NBA basketball. He might watch like one or two big games that seem cool. He says he only watches overseas. I'm glad he said that. Yeah. I, it's a different narrative when he said it too. Because if I say that, you know, I'm not locked in or studying my craft. Somebody might use that against me. Um, <laughs> I, I forgot Buddy's name. Yeah, I don't want to give him no pub anyway. But you, yeah. got, you got your Fox, you got your Fox Sports people. Uh, not Shannon or Skip. It's one of the other cats. Um, but they, they'll they look, especially when you dominate, they'll, they'll look for anything that you said to use it against you to prove their point. But uh, I think one of the, one of our guys said it, starting to remind us of uh, MTV Rock and Jock. <laughs> the young folks are too young for that. Yeah. <laughs> or, Bruh, 
Or like sometimes you'll be looking and be like, bro, he's good. But like, is this serious, bro? Like this dude is going to go get 30 or 40, bro, every night. Like, I don't believe, I believe he's good. But I don't believe right. there's 450 dudes in the NBA that are allowing this every single night. And, I, and I'm not saying one particular person. I'm just saying like right. natural basketball. Right. Like yeah. We're watching Sports Center and somebody's turned up. And the only way the game is going, is the game going to go to 200 points? Like, you know what I mean? Only And like right. that's why sometimes the trend with basketball is so tough because pretty soon everybody's going to complain and we're going to start taking foul call serious. Then True. we're going to go back to it and be like, what's up with our players? Like, well, I mean, most of our best players are now overseas and know how to play basketball. This country club ass sport. We True. got stuck with cream filling up maybe. And that's just the truth, bro. Like, I, I don't care what you say. And I love Duncan Robinson to death. <laughs> Stop, bro. You know what I'm saying? And Duncan Cole. Duncan can get on the squad. He just got to be in the right place. Duncan get on the Like, the Duncan. Don't even fuck it up. Duncan was hitting five threes a night. Duncan's hustle was unbelievable. I'm a, I'm a fan for Duncan Robinson. Don't let me fuck that up. But I will say this. How hard have you worked? When's the last time you got a play drawn up for you? Me? Yeah. Denver. <laughs> now, how, how good do you have to be to have four or five plays drawn up for you in the league? Oh, you got to be elite. And there's certain people to get hella plays drawn up for them. And it's like a narrative, like three, 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 plays. three, three. The whole offense is uh, <laughs> set, set up for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then because turn- they can't exist. They can't exist out there without the offense being set up yeah. for them. And at the same time, they hit some threes and buses open the game. And Jimmy does what he has to do. So it's, I, I'm, not talk, I'm not I'm not talking about him, but it seems like if you just make threes and 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 uh, make it look like you're playing defense by hurting people uh, once a game. Uh, yeah. you're, you're a tough nosed player, and they will not get rid of you. That's real. <laughs> and they will not. They will not let the world know you dirty. Although other 449 players are telling the world you're a dirty player. But I yeah. digress. Yeah, I don't get why that kid keeps doing that, bro. Man, he did it. He did it last night, two nights <laughs> yeah, ago, did, bro. Yeah, I'm, I, at one point, I'm like, maybe he's not a dirty player. Maybe he just can't control it. I don't know what it is, bro. But like. As much as people are getting 40, that's as many times as he's doing like a dirty foul. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And no yeah. one's spoken on it. No one's spoken on it. It's crazy. Who was the... Uh, DeMar DeRozan said something. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Who, who was the... Who was the uh, Dennis Rodman, you know his narrative, but he had to, he had the circus along with him. But there's been a few players in history, uh, they wouldn't let them off the hook. Uh, with their with their antics, I'm trying to think who were the dirtier players in our. I mean, in our, well, in our, in our he wasn't. Years. He wasn't dirty, but there's a couple plays where Jawan Howard did a hard foul in the playoffs, like on Derek Anderson. And oh shit, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, people yeah. were complaining about that. Yeah, he was all star though. He that's his gamesmanship. Yeah. Like he knew when to do it, but yeah. he's just doing this on a on a, on a on a Tuesday night versus Orlando. <laughs> Everybody thought Gerald Henderson Jr. was the dirtiest player on earth. I remember uh, Jason Richardson. Was he a junior? Yeah, his daddy playing the league. Oh, I didn't realize he was a junior. Nah, Gerald Henderson, a second type. Yeah, he won him second. I, ain't know, second. I, I, didn't, I don't even know why I didn't correlate that he was the same name as his father, but I knew his yeah. father. Yeah, so he, um, I remember one time we were, we were in a six-series uh, facility, so that's like my third year right after you got traded. Same and, university? Uh, Duke. Yeah, absolutely right, Duke. Yeah, 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 Duke. That's why I... I mean, you don't have to tell him. You went to Episcopal or Episcopal <laughs> Academy. Like, nah, good for him. The, rep, the the pedigree, good for him. I remember being up in there, though, 
We're playing pickup. Jay Rich mm-hmm. must not have been playing. So I come down after the after the game or whatever, after playing pickup, I'm like, man, such and such did this. This person did that. Blah, blah, blah. And Gerald Henderson, he he low-key caught some shit. Like, you know what I mean? That type of thing. Gerald Henderson upstairs? I'm like, yeah. Bro, you know how nice Jay Rich is. Yeah. Stop treatment. I'm finna go beat his ass. I'm like, what? I'm like, Gerald. <laughs> but mind you, like, Gerald's like a year older than me. Right. And then Jay Rich is probably like, like ROG. So I'm like, yeah. man, I know when I make somebody my age mad, but I was kind of like, for an adult to really want to beat our ass at this age. Right. So he literally stops, goes upstairs, and is trying to go find Gerald like Henderson. And he's like, bro, when I see him, I'm fucking him up. All that bullshit he used to do, and like he's just a dirty-ass player. Mm. And you know Jason Richardson's personality, bro. Yeah. For him to do that, yeah. I'm talking about I've never seen somebody get so hot. I'm yeah. like, bro, what? I'm like, you're, you're really about to go hit Gerald Henderson, dog. Yeah. Like, it's like hitting Clay. Like, don't hit him. Like, but, yeah. then, but then it turns out Gerald is a black belt. So it's either black belt or Saginaw. Who are you going with? Man, in the street fight, I'm going with Saginaw. No, you can't be the you can't be the black belt, but that anger and rage from from from, from Saginaw, they're gonna find a way. That's what I'm saying. So because like they they willing to die. It ain't like the yeah. black belt is like, I'm trying to diffuse the situation. You know, they trying to put you to sleep, but angry Saginaw is till death do us till death do one of us. And that's real. So, well, I'm glad they didn't get to that point. So because Dragonfly Jones was on the way. <laughs> Straight up, bro. That was wild. I remember being like, oh shit, we finna fight. Point forward. All right. Down for that, clown for that. For our listeners, they know what it is, but for the folks just tuning in, uh ET and I mostly agree on uh everything. Uh, but not everything. So down for that, clown for that is our our way of taking a stance on trending subjects and deciding uh, who, which one is down for that and the other one is not for it at all and clowning it. So a few interesting topics uh, this past week. Um, obviously, we know what happened in the, the, the football game a week and a half ago or so uh, with DeMar Hamlin and his hospitalization. And we're just so happy that he's doing well. You know, a lot of prayers went out there, a lot of support. You know, that's a community of sport. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, this past week, Football week, which is the last uh, regular season game, we saw uh, the Steelers player doing a CPR celebration, and it was just days after uh, the Hamlin hospitalization. Um, So it's interesting. I don't know if I want to – I'm not joking down for that or clown for that, but what are your thoughts on that, E.T.? Yeah, I thought it was odd. I was like, why would they do that? And the only thing I can say is maybe – you know, the guy that saved him, the trainer that saved him, everybody wants him in the NFL Hall of Fame. Ah. Uh. So I think the only thing popular was maybe showing love to the training staff because when... Bro, you know, how, you know how you sound while you just said that? That You sound like them when they come up with their explanations. No, bro. <laughs> Why else would you do that stupid-ass shit? Like... No, <laughs> like don't. You, I'm with you. you. Like, it, it makes no sense. It's stupid as hell. Like, I'm trying to justify and be like, maybe... Maybe they showing love to a dude that say like it was impressive. You say to do eight, it was it fifteen minutes. Yeah, I don't know, but no, it's stupid. I'm not down for that. I I just can't see how. Yeah, this is hard to be down for. The only thing I'm thinking is, you know, you get you're a creature of your habits, and that's one of your dances. And you listen, 
Let me, all right, so this is my argument to that. When you play in football, like keep it a buck, how is the mentality turned on for a football player? They always talk about, kill, man, kill, no, there's, there's no yeah. turning on, turning off. Like once you step on that field, you there for one reason. Yeah. And yeah. I, I had a question uh, for a few folks uh, in the business world, you know, just having a lot of conversations um, with, you know, some things that I got going on. Will this affect viewership in football or the perception of football? Because, you know, they had, the football had, NFL has its ebbs and flows uh, with player health and safety, yeah. uh, with, with serious uh, health issues that happen with the players, you know, current players and former players. And so that, I asked, does that affect it? Because they seem to recover from the, uh, you know, concussion thing they had. What's the CTE? Yeah, they CTE. seem to recover somewhat from CTE. You know, they put the fund together, supporting the players, you know, as they get older with healthcare and making sure that, you know, they're, they're in a, they're better than they have been before. And the answer was just brutally honest. The answer was, listen, man, America loves seeing a bunch of athletic, big, you know, African-American dudes running into each other with violence. That's just, you know, you look at the UFC, that's violent. You know, yeah. it's two of the, you know, top viewing uh, sports in America. NFL yeah. is the number one sport in America. And yeah. they said it's not going anywhere. And so it's, I'm saying all that to say it's hard for those guys to turn it off. And, you know, your mind can't be in the right place playing an NFL game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so I don't think your mind, it's hard for your mind to uh, have some sympathy or empathy when you're on the field. Uh, was something that just happened, you know, before that. And the the other thing I thought about was when the George Floyd thing happened, right? Or let me mm -hmm. not say that. Let me, let me start over. Was George Floyd a guy? Who was the guy that said, I can't, uh, you on my neck? That was George yeah, Floyd, that's right? George Floyd, it's so yeah. many. It's so many yeah, of us. So many, it's yeah, crazy. Because we did the I check. can't breathe joint. Right, I can't that. breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, so the George Floyd situation, right? Uh, and then we were on the court in the bubble not too long after that. Yeah. And I remember we're up, we're up big in the series or we're up big in the game. And I said, listen, fellas, like now is the time to get rid of these boys. And what do we say in the NBA when it's time to get rid of a team? You up 20, don't let them come back. Put your foot on their neck is what normally is said in yeah, the past. Yeah. And I said, yo, back. let's put our foot on, on the gas. And I had to catch myself. Yeah because it's just normalized for us to say that. Yeah. And so I was thinking that when I saw this, yeah. when it occurred. So yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, it's just, uh, but I'll go back to, you know, I repeat it. Yeah. Them dudes can't turn it off when they on that field. I know that for sure. That's an understatement, bro. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we call that a draw. You killed me, you killed me last week too. I gotta, I gotta redeem myself. I don't know what it was, I was like, damn. I just lo I lost. I lost. <laughs> you what? I lost. Uh, Friday is a movie that y'all need to go see too. Uh, we'll, we'll put a, we'll put that on a Substack. Movies you need to see to understand the culture. Yeah, How about what we're that? talking about. Yeah, yeah, like yeah three yeah, strike, yeah. like all that shit. Point forward. Have you seen this uh, Dr. Dre? Uh, he's threatening, uh, what was it, the politician Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene for using still DRE song? Did you see that? No, I had to look this up. I, I was under, I don't know how I missed this, but I missed this and I uh, checked it out and it was quite interesting. I saw her on the phone with uh, DT, uh, who was Donald Trump, 
And uh, what, what was uh, she was uh, responsible for helping uh, my guy, not my guy, the guy, uh, get the seat in the House of Representatives, right? Yeah, a politician from Georgia. Yeah, she's from yes. Georgia. So this was her way of uh, celebrating. They used the beat to steal Dre to celebrate their win, but they're they're for themselves and they're for the pure, the pure breeds. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, no, I understand. Shoot, it's American, ain't it? There it is. And so, okay. Yeah. What side you on? I'm not, I mean, I'm not. If DR, if Dre don't like it, cool. I just don't see how he's going to be able to sue him or like take any type of, you know what I'm saying? Can he? Well, I I think he can sue. Uh, I think the song's been getting a lot of streams. Um, since yeah. she played it, and then I think the song gets more streams since he's suing, uh, and it's more con- you know the more conversation around something, the more it gets played. Just like um, the judge in Young Thug's case, where he was yeah, reciting the, lyric. the lyrics, yeah. um, and I never heard that song. Sorry, uh, don't revoke my black card. I hadn't heard that song. And so at one point in the song he did, the judge did sound, make it sound good. So I went and found the song and listened to it. And I thought to myself, there are a lot of people looking for this song and playing it. Like Young Thug yeah. is getting a lot of streams from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is a similar case, um, but I'm down for it because this is exactly what they would do to us. Yeah. Exactly what they would do to us. You're here for my lawyers and all this. Exactly. And so, Pop me kettle. You're right. I feel you on that. My, my only thing is right now, just judging, and maybe I could be far off, whatever. I'm not at the point. I'm the, I used to run out the door on the Republicans. You know what I'm saying? And be like, yeah, you're right. But it's like, let's not throw all this smoke, man. The Dem, the Democrats now have to step up and continue to, you know, raise and elevate and do what they say they're going to do for our community. You understand what I'm saying? So like, if they ever, yeah, they never get around to it. Never get around to it, whatever it is. So, like, we're yeah. getting mad at a video, but we should be mad at the side that we always voted for for the past 30 or 40 years and we're still in this situation. I'm not mad that the Republicans are representing the whites in their state, like in their country of America, to keep all that going. That's just self preservation. That spoils a war. Like, you feel me? Like, let's call it that. Not in a certain sense, but like. Yeah, I got you. No, they're. they're I'd be like, yo, how are you going to tell this story? But at the same time, how are you not going to pop up? You're, like, you're going to naturally go for what you look like, I guess. But I'd be but, like, man, we, we got to make sure we, the same energy we use to go and fight for this and the other, we got to make sure we continue to guide, use, and, and pull all our people together to, you know, rise above. I mean, we've done it in certain, you know, voting stances and everything like that, but. I kind of want to see some, you know what I mean? I can't, I don't even hate on it. I don't like Trump or none of them, but it's like, I want to see the Dems step up a little bit more. I'm just shorty wilding though. Yeah, she was tweaking. She wouldn't play, she won't play the lyrics. She said they were thuggish, uh, which is cold for the N-word, obviously. Yeah, I think that yeah. is the way of saying the N-word. No, always. What when about, you go- we're, all, we're not against rap, we're not against rappers, but we are mm-hmm. against those thugs. That's yeah. the... That was yeah. the famous beginning of uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony's hit song, the first yeah. one. 
No, right, I mean, bro, I mean, they 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 rewrite the rules as they go. You know what I'm saying? They move the goalposts. I like and that. They keep moving the goalposts, and, and that's just a game. So I don't get more shock of it. I just like, bro, like don't where I've lose my patience at. It's like don't tell me what I know, my nigga. Like when we're sitting here in Chicago, I remember I have to dress a certain way just to get into a spot. Mm. And now once Kanye starts fucking Kim and Chris Jenner starts wearing Jordans and every white girl from Calabasas all the way to the East Coast start wearing Jordans, like we ain't been selling them out right. and rushing to the mall since the early 90s and it must be the shoes. Now the whole culture didn't change. Yeah. And, and, and Louis then came into the culture, but now they won't let us get access to yeah. the culture that they took from us. And then when you're and then when you're sitting there, you know, continue to have that conversation, like uh, what J. Cole said about like jazz or R&B, it's like, where are we going to go? Right. Like, it's like, you go on, a, he's like, I went on the Apple playlist and jazz is the most ancient art form. Mm-hmm. Like black, like, and it's for black, it's black mm-hmm. people. You go on mm-hmm. Apple and he's like, bro, it's Kenny G's greatest hits. You would believe Kenny G was jazz. <laughs> right. He's like, you go on R&B, you're not doing, and this is like 2016, 2017 yeah. interview. Like, you're not doing R&B anymore. You're going to Justin Bieber, Zayn Malik. They're calling that R&B. Iggy Azalea and Macklemore winning Grammys. Yeah. And it's it, like Drew say, I'm supposed to respect the system to call my brother sons of bitches. Evan giving food for thought, dog. Get a plate. Point. Forward. Today we are joined by a guy that I feel should be on more people's radar, uh, both for his play and energy, but also for his work ethic and his story. Um, he's, he's one of the Golden State Warriors first round picks of 2021 and is only getting started. Um, check out my man Moses Moody. We're joined by a guy who was made famous because uh, his southern counterpart's slaughtering of his name. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so here, my teammate, one of my uh, you know, my young boys. Um, Moses Moody, and I guess to start it off, you know, we kind of been starting off like this, you know, uh, especially when we're in person. This is not a literal question, but more of, you know, you could have done a lot of different things in your life. You know, you're smart, you're talented. Tell us how you got here in this seat today. Yeah, um, I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, so growing up, it was always me and my homeboys, me and my brothers. My my brother and my cousins, real family oriented. So uh we we just kinda just went with the flow, did what it did as it is as it go. And basketball was always there. That was always the thing my pops played, my brother played. I played football a little bit when I was younger, but I've always been around basketball. So I just kept doing that and got pretty good at it and then it take take me where it did. And now you're second year to Warriors. Who's your favorite teammate? How about I just throw a wrench in it? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite teammate. Yeah, it really just depends on the day, man. It's a lot of lot of different people, but I go with I go with Toon. Toon, that's a good one. That's Who? a good one. Looney. Yeah. Oh, Looney. I thought you said Toon. I'm like Toon. We call him Toon. Oh, we call okay. him Toon. Yeah, Looney Toon. Okay. Looney Toon. Okay, okay, that's hard. That's a J. Yeah. Now everybody says Looney. Dre always says Looney's the best teammate as well. Yeah, yeah, he is just, just, uh, just through conversation. He, I, we were talking to somebody the other day, and he kind of explained the way Loon operate, like saying, like if he, he got a lot of game, he can help, he can do a lot of stuff. 
but he always going to pay attention. And if you want the help, he willing to give it to you. But if you don't, then it's like, all right, I ain't going to force yeah. you, bro. I ain't going to. Now, yeah. that's real. When you first walked into an NBA locker room, you walked in as, you know, like what, 18, 19 year old kid. Was that something you worried about? Uh, you know, how you're going to interact with the older players and who you're going to, uh, you know, who you're going to learn from? Because you had a lot of superstars. And obviously that's uh that's a gift and a curse if you're nervous about, you know, going into a locker room and an environment and, a, you know, the standard they set. Yeah. I feel like the superstar thing was more different than the older guys and all that because mm -hmm. I got, I'm, I'm been, I've been around a lot of older people, my family and everything. So I'm used to being in that scenario and that situation. But the celebrity thing is real. And, you know, you can try <laughs> to act cool, act hard. Like, yeah, I'm used to this. I've been here. But reality is I haven't. So sticking to that, what was, what was one of the more have you been starstruck since you've been in the league or what was one of the things where that kind of threw you off where it was the first time like whoa this is a a moment in terms of like the celebrity of it at all or something that i've never seen before yeah honestly my first year it was so many different and new environments new things and crazy things that would blow my mind two years ago but it got to where it was so much, I just like got numb to it. Oh, okay. Just everything, just every. I'm just. I know some crazy stuff about to happen tomorrow, so it ain't even. <laughs> I ain't even shocked when it do. Right, <laughs> right. Um, let's talk about you know because most people know you about basketball, and there's just one story I want to get to. But let's take it back to you were similar to me, and maybe ET too in terms of we knew basketball was what we wanted to do but we kind of had to hide it. We talk about that all the time, which is strange. And, and it's like, you know, when you look at other ethnicities, other races, when they say they want to be an engineer, a lawyer, or doctor, they're just so proud when they, when they say it. Mm -hmm. But for us, when we, you know, I read what you said, you know, I always wanted to be, go to the NBA, but I had to throw out a few other things. I didn't want to let too many people know that was my goal because, you know, that's every black boy's dream and you don't want to get stereotyped. And that's mind boggling to me that yeah. we have to think that way. But, you know, going back, you know, when did you realize that basketball was it? And, you know, who helped you see the goal, see the vision? And who did you look up to to kind of model yourself as um, to kind of help you see the, the the journey to get to the league? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. And I, and it was real. It's real. Like when you in the third grade, and the teacher asked everybody, what you what y'all want to do when you grow up? And you in a class with this like mixed class and all that, and every black boy in the classroom say NBA or NFL, yep. you feel a certain way. And then and and at that point I would just throw something out, like you said, just to mix it up, just to change something. On Halloween, you know, everybody come to the school for the Halloween parties. All everybody got their football pads on or their basketball jersey. Yep. I was too, but uh, mm -hmm. as we got older. Like that's cool, you know, when you're young, imagine, you know, you, you can be anything and that's 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 your mindset. But when you get older and now y'all like y'all in high school, eleventh, tenth, eleventh grade, and the same dude saying they going to NFL, but they ain't even make the, the, high, yeah. the high school team. And <laughs> but it's just like that's a crutch that everybody uses because you need to have an answer to that question. Right. Yeah. And if you don't if you don't say NBA or NFL, then you have to think and you have to really come up with a plan, and that's kind of intimidating to do. So yeah. I feel like for me, even though that it was a real realistic thing, it was possible. I like I know that that's that's what I'm planning on doing. I'm gonna work for it, but I don't gotta tell y'all my dreams because I'm, I'm mm -hmm. gonna figure it out. But your question more so was who was it that got me? They, they got me to doing it. Got got me uh, locked in and knowing I could be I could do that. And I would get that to my dad mm -hmm. and my mom. But uh, 
mainly my dad in that space just because uh just that constant voice just that uh always always willing to work out just a lot of stuff like that mm -hmm. no that's funny you say that because i remember uh having to come up with different like professions i wanted to be i remember for like a few years in eighth grade and like all through middle school i was telling people i wanted to be a veterinarian and like when you look back on it, I'm like, bro, I was so capped. Like, what's the play? I'm walking around here telling people I'm finna be a veterinarian. Ain't got a, a animal in sight, no nothing. Like, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's always good to be who you are, or else you look like an idiot. It's <laughs> funny, ET, we always say people from the from the South, they're they they're born 30, 40 years old. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. if and it's funny because the mindset, you know, just hearing Steph talking about you or hearing Steph talk about Moses, he's like, it's incredible to see this kid's work ethic. You know, we forgot he was a rookie. We spent all our time on JK, goofy ass. <laughs> <laughs> and we forget, because Moses was just, you know, he's wiser beyond his years and that yeah. shouldn't be taken the wrong way because JK speaks nine languages, but this is a different type yeah, of, different you know, yeah, yeah. different people, Everybody's different personalities, different but that yeah. he got that old Southern soul where like he, he, he knows exactly what he wants to do every single day. Like he plans out his weeks or that's what it seems like. And so kind of take me through your, you know, through that process, like how you've become so mature and professional and how you approach the game of basketball. Even your your college coach spoke about it too. Muscleman who played in the league, yeah, he spoke man. about. He said you were a ten ten out of ten as a freshman, which is crazy because I know both of our coaches when we were freshmen wanted to kill us. Like yeah. I was always messing around, and you told me stories about yeah. your freshman year of college. But you know, I know you spoke about your father. But when did it click in terms of your mindset and your focus? I would say the main thing I could like I could dedicate that mindset too is just paying attention. Mm -hmm. Like always growing up as a kid, seeing other people's mistakes. Uh, like I said, I got a lot of old heads in my family, uh, old heads around the city. I could, I'll say that now, like my city raised me, everybody. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that comes from being in different environments and paying attention because just because you're there don't mean you learn nothing. Don't mean you yeah. soaked in the game. Yep. Just, just uh, and, that's, and that's obviously literally paying attention when somebody's talking to you, but looking at the way people move like i'm telling my homeboys like yeah y'all come to the y'all come to the interview because you know what 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 opportunity do you, do you get to be behind stage at a podcast that you right. see on on this and that so that's a new experience so just paying attention to different um lessons that come up in life yep so i, I seen something where you're discussing uh obviously we're big fans of him but joe i saw joe he, yeah. he's low-key like the the king of uh of arkansas Yes, sir, Talk about sure. like, uh, you know, him being, you know, from the city, him doing what he did. Did that open up your eyes to be able to do it? Because I know for sure James Anderson, remember the All-American from back in the day, he played in mm -hmm. the league. He always referenced Joe, you know, Joe Johnson and, you know, the example he set as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe was that dude for me growing up. You know, I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas. He from Little Rock. And being from Little Rock, you don't see a lot of people going, a lot of people doing this and that. So for him to do it the way he was doing it at that time, uh, we was able to see that and see it. And it was actually tangible because he wasn't away. He came back to the city. He played in Dunbar League. He put on a three-on-three -three tournament in downtown in the parking lot. We all, everybody oh, wow. uh, going through. So he just did stuff mm -hmm. like that. So he got the blueprint and he kind of laid it out the way that I want to do it. Oh, that's dope.
I, I'm going I'm to take a detour. You know, I want to get to Mount Verde because, you know, a lot of folks outside the basketball world don't understand, you know, kind of how high school basketball works in different schools and different things like that. Yeah, had, what, seven dudes on your high school team go to the league, <laughs> which is unheard of. But I want to pivot away from basketball for a second in terms of your experience as an actor. Oh, wow. And you played a role uh, that Denzel Washington played. You were his character from Fences. And how that led to you, uh, you like not an internship, but you shadowed a judge. And just give me a whole rundown of that experience because that in itself is incredible. And I think all students, even athletes, should experience something outside of basketball, something different. It's like E.T. should have went to go shadow a veterinarian, right? Yeah, but yeah. kind of give me, like how, they, <laughs> but how did that come about? Yeah. You know, and I think that's super dope. And I think that's a story that we appreciate if you would share with us. Yeah, yeah. That's I see you do your homework, man. That's, that's cold. But uh, yeah, so the the fences thing, that was, I was into, when I went to high school, I was in the drama side of the school. So, you know, we had to have different performances and right. stuff like that. And that was like a, it was a dialogue when it's two people, you know, was going back and forth. But it was cool. I had a lot of fun with it. I didn't think I would like it. Right. But after we getting up there doing it, learning my lines and going through that whole process, it was real cool. And I might even want to venture back into something like that one day. Right. I, you know, I see you doing your acting thing now, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, did, I did the <laughs> Abbott Elementary. Yeah. But like that and the um and the shadow and the judge, that's a whole story in itself. And it was um just going there because I used to say I wanted to be a judge. Like we like I had to come up with different stuff. I knew I probably wasn't going to go to law school and do all of that. So but you, so but you I, I you had different stuff. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I want to grow up. I can't. Right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <It's been> <laughs> but that was something that I liked, and it seemed like some, you know. But after I went in there, I followed them all day. We was behind the scenes, go out together. I go sit sit back there and watch him do what he do. Yeah. And that dude sent it somebody to forty five to life when I'm sitting right there. <laughs> the dude get to arguing. They had to escort him out the courtroom and. Do all of that, and like right then, I knew I'm, 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 I better get serious about this basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get I, you serious. Here's somebody I, 45 yeah. life, and he and for you to have to carry out the sentence and do all stuff like right. that, like that's hard to. And how old were you? 13, 14? Yeah, I was young. I was pretty young, uh, maybe middle school, uh huh, maybe crazy. early high school. But like I said earlier, though, that that's all the same thing about getting in those different environments. Yeah. So you can, when you pay attention, you learn a new intel, and now you know a little bit about different things that's dope that's dope because yeah, like acting that. uh acting for school in the drama club led to him shadowing the judge and you see somebody get sentenced 45 years to life that's great yo so what was your acting style like who who are you like were you like a michael b jordan were you like jamie fox like uh, Will smith like or just a background dude like what was your <laughs> what was your level to be honest, it really didn't get far enough for me to really have a have a character, have all of that, because it was really just, I didn't get in none of the plays and none of that in front of the school or none of that. That was like a class thing, and we had to do it. So I was forced to do it and forced to have fun and, and like it. But I was playing Denzel, so I was doing my best impression that I could. That's crazy. So Now, that's funny. Um, So to bring up, you kind of already answered prior to, but we have this thing called guns and butter on our show. And a lot of people think of a macroeconomic principle, but it's actually a scene from the movie Baby Boy. And he's talking about the, 
you know, difference between guns and butter and uh, the, the small decisions that you made now that turn out to be big decisions in, in the past. Besides the judge situation where you went to school and decided to focus on it, what else is something else that uh, that really inspired you to uh, lock in and, and, you know, kind of go left instead of right? Um, that's I was I was I was listening to somebody the other day. And there was, uh, it was uh, actually Simba, the rapper. He said, okay. yeah. he said, uh, Bay Area. Yeah. He said, he said, I'm, I'm a long way from where I, I'm a long way from where I'm going to be, but a long way from where I could have been. Yep. Something like that. Yeah. Something, something along yeah. the lines of that. But really growing up, I got a big family. I had a lot of family, you mm. know, we in the South, uh, a lot of you know, a lot of people don't got the income, and we, like so, you in the bottom of the south in that scenario. So, you get a lot of non examples, not just family, just people around, and just being in that environment. Everybody's telling you, uh, you, you do you need to do what you you need to do what you gonna do, so you don't end up like me." Or yeah, yeah. I can tell you, I can I messed up here, and then you can learn from this mistake. And given that I got a big family, I got a lot of younger little cousins and everything to look up to me. Mm -hmm. So that was always my thing. Like when I'm putting on, when I'm putting my cousins on, when I'm teaching people, I want to be able to tell you, all right, do what I did. Right. Not don't do what I did. Right. And right. just give them a new perspective because so many people just have those non-examples. So that was probably the biggest thing. Um, watching, you know, my uncles maybe get locked up or watching yeah. some friends go the wrong way and you know how that go. And just so it's just so many different examples of seeing, seeing people make one small mistake and change and change yeah. where you are, but you made that mistake because you're too close to the fire. Yeah. Get all the way over here. And yeah. then that little mistake might not burn you. So, so just so that's mm -hmm. probably that's probably the best answer I got for that. So is that that that's what gave you confidence to head to Mount Verde for your last year of high school? You know, you felt like you had to get out of the environment to to elevate, even though that environment was you're arguably on one of the best high school teams ever, right? Yeah. 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 That's uh that's hell yeah. to tell the captain you're trying to make it to the league. So that, yeah. that speaks a lot about your, your competition level. What uh, what was that like every single day? Just going up against some 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 future NBA stars, but really looking back and being like, "Holy shit, we actually made it." Yeah, man. yeah, and it's that now, but it wasn't that when we first got there. You know, yeah. it was just a bunch of dudes out here hooping. It's true. And but when I when I first made the decision to go, it wasn't necessarily saying like I got to get out the hood, I got to get out this and that, get that scenario. Because you know my people's back home, it was a good situation. Right. You know, we, uh, my homeboys, everything was straight. But I do feel like it was a positive to make that move and being there. When I first went there, that's when your boy Precious. It was yeah. it was me, K, Precious, Omar, Bush, that whole team. And uh, that's not the one that everybody talks about. It was a really good team. We didn't win the nationals and all that. So I'll skip ahead to the one I know everybody want to talk about the the senior year with the with I could run run through the list and all the accolades. But it was it was that every day. Like you can tell that you in a different place right now in practice because we going at it. We would have our like the starting lineup and the second group. That was a thing. Like right. it wasn't we right. switch up. You get him this day. Nah. Like you got your team and we go at it. Yeah. They won games. We won games. And even the players that's all in the NBA, we graduated, and then they won the national championship the next year. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the that's the, we was all in there together, and yeah. it was that environment every day. And that's that's probably the closest I've ever been to a team, just yeah. because we live together, we in dorms, we fight, yeah. we wrestle. We I finally fought every player on that team. Just we that's what we we like to do. We played around, and it was cool. It's just that environment. That's that that's dope to me because 
you know, where we come from, it really wasn't any like real prep schools like that. Not in the Midwest, at least. Yeah, no. not in the Midwest, really. And just seeing so many talented players, um, it, it's I think it's built a competition in you. Um, but from a confidence perspective, do you think it raised your confidence? Because some guys aren't built for that environment. It might knock a guy's confidence out off. So what 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 do you think it was about that environment that helped you level up your game? It's that it's that sink or swim mentality. And you know, so many times you gotta experience that in the NBA and you and in life outside of basketball. So like I say, like I that's gonna be the theme of the whole thing, I guess, but paying attention. Yeah. yeah. Like you've been through that environment. So now when I'm in that environment, I can revert back to what I learned there. Mm -hmm. But it's that it's just that mentality, you know, uh what uh what he say on uh paid in full, man. I just love the hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. when it I when it get again. down when it get down to it, it's it's just that to where just competition and being back against the wall and I gotta figure it out and I gotta, you know, I came in with a with a fractured foot. So I'm so I'm working from behind yeah. and all of that. So just being in that doggy dog type of gritty space, mm -hmm. I'm comfortable there now. Cause that's something that we didn't that we that we went through every day. Cause right. I'ma tell you that when we was there, Coach Boyle is crazy. Yeah, I always <laughs> we, heard that. I always heard he was the craziest crazy. dude on earth, bro. We got we got we playing against IMG at six o'clock. We got shoot around at twelve, and we in here playing full court one on one. And Coach Boy, and that, so given that he just enjoyed, he he loved to hustle. Right, he loved to be in there, watch us going at it. So that was just that environment, and I, it obviously created some really nice players. I got a question in terms of going to college. I feel like I needed college. You know, I feel like I was I was immature going into college, and college helped mature me. Those two years were very vital for me, and and just you know. Becoming a better basketball player, becoming a more focused basketball player, uh, tuning up my my raw talents um, with Coach O. Um, but just talk to me about your college experience. You know, you got SEC freshman player of the year. Uh, you got to the Elite Eight, um, which is which is tough to do. You know, I don't care what time. people say. Yeah. Like you got to yeah. get there, especially Arkansas. Uh, you were the first big recruit coming uh, since Bobby Portis. Yeah. Um, so you know why Arkansas and. How do you feel that, you know, eight months of college helped you uh, in any way? Yeah, yeah. I feel like the biggest benefits that come that came from going to college wasn't even necessarily on the court. Mm -hmm. Although those are obviously right. a big a big difference. But um, going to Montverde also gave me a head start on being in college. I've been away from my parents. I've been yep. away. But people don't really think about that. And a lot of people go through it when they get to college. You thinking that you're dealing with the, the stresses of college ball and homework and this and that. But a lot of it is that you're not going home to see your mama every night. Right. Like you you out here now to where if you have a bad day in practice, you got a bad day in class, you got to go home, look at yourself in the mirror, yep. deal with yeah. it and go back yep. out there tomorrow. Yep. So just those small little lessons and things, have, figuring out how to be okay by yourself and operate like that, those are the lessons that I feel like came from college uh, that prepared me to be a, millionaire in the nba you know right. that's a big jump coming from little rock arkansas yes. in high school yeah. to to live in this lifestyle so I, I definitely Francisco. needed that median in between for sure and i mean another thing that that's pretty cool you stay local you stay close to home like dre said and i mean much snaps to you getting an elite eight but also you know reigniting the feeling you know i i think 
you're able to get Arkansas back cracking and they're still reaping the fruits of, you know, what yeah. you've been been able to do. I've seen uh Musselman and the team at Maui invitation over this 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 uh season. So it's always tough to see the cool to see the the results of it all. Yeah, yeah. I saw them out there doing their thing. I I I would say you had a your last answer leads me to my next question in terms of coming from Little Rock, now you're a millionaire in the NBA, and we talk about suffering from our successes. You know, how has the transition been so far? Like you got so much left in your life as an NBA player. Like, you know, all of us agree you're going to be here for a long time if you just stay who you are and you're going to continue to get better. So, but the things that come with it, you know, we have what, three or four mandatory NBA meetings a year. You know, they talk about, you know, drugs, sex, uh, the financial side of it, you know, your mental state of just navigating the NBA life. How has life changed for you on that side in terms of all the celebrity we get now, all the money we get now, and then how are you dealing with maybe it's family, maybe it's new people you meet, um, just kind of how you're dealing with the life people don't see. Because everybody see us who. And everybody see us travelers, traveling, everybody see us laughing and tweeting and Instagramming, but they don't see that dark side. You know, how have you been adjusting to that and, and like who's been like your foundation to help you go through it all? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm talking to Rich, he says it a lot, but when 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 black, yeah, talking about Rich Paul. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When young when young black uh people make it out of that situation, a lot of times we have this survivor's guilt. Yes. To where it feel like I was chosen and I'm lucky to be here and I got this. So now I need to help everybody out. I need to, I need to be the man. I need to fix every problem and all of that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a mindset that you got to be aware of. Not saying don't look out, not saying, but just be aware that you have that feeling. Yes. And yes. And just, and just knowing that, uh, well, well that, that in itself, that's one thing, but it's just so many different things that you don't really expect. And for me, uh, I always thought, once you get rich, once you get famous, then you know you won. Like you good, like you know you 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 figured it out. But and there and there's some comfort in that because that because all that says okay, now I got meaning, now I got reason to do what I'm doing to, to work hard every day and do all that because I'm trying to get rich and famous. Right. But then when you get that, not all the way rich, not all the way famous, obviously. But once you get enough of that, you realize, you start looking around and. It's not perfect. <laughs> it's what happened. It's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. But now it's kind. Now you. Now you kind of like at a stalemate, and you just got to figure out what's next and looking for the meaning and things and all of that. So that's when you get in your mind. But I've been able to, you know, obviously find different motivations, and now you see it from a clear lens because you got that out the way. Mm-hmm. And now, now you start to see what really, what's really going on here. Why are you really doing that? And I, and it, I, it's pushed me back to family a lot more. Yeah. Uh, because you know, every everybody once you get out of your house, and you you think you want to explore and be different, and nobody can tell you nothing. But uh, that's kind of pulled me back. So that's probably been the biggest thing to get me through it and and keep me keep me going. But uh, probably family. For sure, that's dope. And and um, unless you got some ET. Uh, Evan had a big moment, you know, from the pod in terms of, you know, he was upset that we had KD on our team, but talk about how we just run a real championship and we didn't have a cheat code, but we went out there and took one. What was it like, you know, your first year in the NBA, you NBA champion and, and tell, tell me what it was like, that feeling, how has it been? And 
how do you think it'll shape you going forward? Because it, you have to avoid the Pat McCall syndrome. Okay. So like when it great comes point. down to it, you want a championship, you're very, very talented. You have a great future ahead of you. But then at the same time, like don't let the environment get you too crazy to realize who and what you, you know what I mean? Who and yeah. what you are. You go back home, your hometown hero, and it might be somebody piping you up to say you don't need stuff or whoever else anymore. You can go on and really win a championship and do great things. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. went elsewhere. Yeah, and actually, I meant to say this on the last question too, but I feel like um, like success can be one of your biggest distractions yes. or you know challenges because mm-hmm. um, Et Eric Thomas he was doing a, he was doing okay. a speech and uh, and he he was saying uh, you can an alligator fierce can kill a lion with his bare mouth right and but a person can kill it with his hands after he eats. Because once he eats, he's paralyzed for like, I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. So just that mentality, knowing yeah. that, okay, you got mm-hmm. this success, let your guard down. Right. And that's how it go. That's natural. That's how people operate. So mm-hmm. really, that's me saying, okay, yeah, we won the championship. I'm happy. I appreciate that. But we all know I can I can do more. I can be, I can be more active. I can be more a part of the team than I was, obviously, then. Mm-hmm. And- and just not not just not getting too complacent and feeling like I really did something, you know. Right. Yeah, obviously we did. I played one. We won the championship, but be realistic. Yep, for sure. I like that. And are you happy with the uh, with our way of winning this past season, bro? I was happy with every single part of how y'all won. Like, <laughs> I was bro. watching the one where y'all was going at it about that too. <laughs> nah, but I'm just saying. But like, we sitting here and it's like, are you happy? Like, no, dog. Like, four of the top twenty players. It, what is that, bro? Is no, that no, cool? no. I'm I'm with you, and I I wanted yeah, to okay. get this. Off. I wanted to get this off my chest too. You know, people don't understand. You know, kind of just how other ball players may think, and that's just your competitive nature coming out. And I also want to let certain people know, like Et, my brother too. So watch how y'all be talking. Oh, I just want to get out the way. <laughs> don't get too comfortable with me talking crazy about my brother. I just oh, wanted man, to put sorry, that out yeah. there. No, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, nah, for sure. But much love to, um, you know, obviously your championship caliber and everything you've done. And uh, as an individual, as, you know, the interview has definitely been fun. And, you know, seeing how you how you think, I think uh, you're going to be successful for years to come. So as, it'll be fun watching you and, and, you know, watching your development. So, you know, thanks for being on the show today, for real. So, so appreciate y'all having me.